values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Um, New information out saying that the federal government, as they normally do, isn't going to talk about an ongoing investigation. And but what the now the caveat is that the Trump lawyers now have the warrant, because when you get served a warrant, you have to give a copy to the person being served. And so uh, the lawyers for President Trump or the president himself have decided not to reveal why they what they were looking for, what was in the warrant. Now, I don't know why that is, but, I, you know, that doesn't really bode well. I would. I would be screaming from the rooftops. This is what they were looking for because everybody out there, every expert that's talking about this that I've heard on both sides of the aisle, they're all talking about the fact that this was an overplayed hand by the federal government, that the government could have subpoenaed these documents. There had been meetings months before. There had been conversations. There had been a meeting at Mar-a-Lago where Trump's lawyers were there. And federal investigators, and they were getting the documents that they wanted. So this is not something new. This is something that's happened before. So the ongoing conversation about this is is twofold now, and this is how it is kind of um, morphing, how it is evolving. Is is this going to turn out to be helpful for President Trump? And I will tell you, I firmly believe that it will, that the former president looks like a martyr. There is a, a quote from President Trump that's been used so many times that I may be paraphrasing it, but it's very close. President Trump has said, they're not after me. They're after you. I'm just in the way. And he and that's a that's a pretty powerful message that we know as Americans that the government's after us and he's the one standing in the way of getting to you. So he that's already that martyr mentality of I will be the sacrificial lamb. I am not going to let anything happen to you. I will I will stand the post. And I am going to protect you from this oppressive government, this overreach this overkill, I will stand in the way. And the supporters of President Trump love him for that. Love him for that. And you've just not only solidified it for them, you've shown it to the entire world. When you have guys like Andrew Wang, who was a Democrat candidate, criticizing this, when you have somebody like Chris Cuomo, who has never had a good thing to say about Donald Trump or his presidency, coming out against this, when you have members and former members of the FBI coming out and saying, in my 30 plus years experience, out of the Washington field office for 13, but over 30 years overall with the FBI, I've never seen anything like this. When we know that the Justice Department has uh, been criticized by the uh, FISA courts, by the judges, saying that they gave false information in order to obtain a warrant to go after Carter Page in the old Mueller investigation and the Russian collusion investigation and the dossier and everything else – You are saying to supporters, and I think there are more and more every day, there are a lot of people in the Republican Party and independent voters that voted twice for Donald Trump. There are a lot of people out there that said and have been saying it's time to move on to someone else, not because they didn't vote for Trump or not because they didn't like the policies of President Trump, but because they just say it's time to move on. 
I will tell you that from my personal perspective, I voted twice for Donald Trump because I thought his policies were best to serve America. I'm not connected to anybody in any kind of hero worship. It's just not who I am. And I'm never going to be that way about a politician. And uh, again, George W. Bush is the closest I've ever gotten to getting to getting to know a president. And what I mean by that is I spent time with him in a room three or four times in my life for a few minutes at a time. So to, I am not friends with George W. Bush. I've had a couple of conversations with him. I admire the human being that he is, his heart for veterans, uh, his heart for my family, how he treated me in light of my brother being killed, the fact that he wrote me a letter, the, the fact that he cried when he met me. Um, I, I love the former president. But as far as his political career goes, I was very vocal in disagreement with some things, and that's the way it's supposed to be. We stick to a set of ideals, and we have to – we know we even compromise our ideals sometimes or fall short. But what's happening now is they are making a martyr out of Donald Trump. And it isn't the media doing this, and it's not a spin. You're talking about, and I'm asking anybody out there or everybody out there to be open-minded and go listen to what the experts are saying. Former members of the former acting attorney general said, we have crossed a line. We have crossed a line. Um... I want you to hear this. His name is Whitaker, and here is his assessment of what this is made, how this makes uh, the situation. It looks to me like a very much uh, an intentional uh, shot across the bow uh, to try to, you know, sort of uh, make uh, Donald Trump look like he's under uh, investigation for something more serious than this actually is. Because Steve was mentioning earlier, Ainsley, that the Presidential Records Act is not as clear cut as maybe some people on the left would like to suggest. You know, the records that they were looking at, um, you know, are things like. Uh, uh, you know, a letter from Kim Jong-un I read or, you know, other types of artifacts from his presidency. And these are this could have easily been negotiated or otherwise requested by a subpoena. And he's right. And so what you've done is you've made it look as if you are going very heavily heavy handed against the former president. Um, I, one more thing I want you to hear him talk about, and this is where he says we've crossed a line. We've crossed a line that I'm not sure the republic is going to um, appreciate long term, and the American people are going to need answers to a lot of these questions. The overreach that has gone on and the constant investigation, Nancy Pelosi using two committees in the House of Representatives, two very powerful, very necessary committees in the Intelligence Committee and the Judiciary Committee in the House of Representatives, using those two committees for the entire time of the Trump presidency, digging and looking for evidence, which they never produced one shred of to try to find some Russian collusion evidence against the former president. You've got the Mueller report that had to be investigated and came out, and the Mueller report was very clear, saying not only did they not find evidence of anybody in the Trump camp colluding with the Russians, they didn't find any American colluding with the Russians. So we spent all these years and all that money, and it looked like, and to the Trump supporters, it was, we will do anything we can to destroy you. That is it. That's it. And now you've got this happening, and it looks like now they're trying to stop him from running again. 
Now, whether that's true or not, I'm telling you that's what the optics say. And it isn't because you've got right-wing people, Fox News, whatever, that's saying this. You've got people that have been in these jobs before, people that are middle of the road, that are apolitical, saying this not only looks bad, but it looks like it's heavy-handed and should scare everyone. So I'm anxious to see how it plays out. I really am for the good of the American people. We're going to talk about inflation, uh, 8.5%, still near a 40-year high, but easing a little bit. Stock market seems to be responding well, but where are we really? Where is the average American? We'll talk about that in just a moment. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Someone told me long ago, there's a calm before the storm. I know it's been coming for Hey, thanks for being here. We'd love to invite you to join us in community service projects. Let's make a difference together in our community. It's Broomhead's Action Alliance. Just sign up at simple text the word ACTION. To 411923. We'll even send you a free t shirt. You'll just be on the list to be notified when we're doing projects. You can join us on the ones you can join us on. That's action to 411923. All right, let's talk about the economy. Prices are still going up. We know that. Jobs keep up despite high inflation. That's good news. Um, let's go a little. Rebecca Jarvis, uh, ABC, talking about some prices are actually going down. Airfares are lower. Used car prices are lower. Apparel costs are lower. But there are also areas where prices continue to climb. Grocery costs up 13.1%. Shelter prices, rents, new homes, 5.7% higher. So while some things are getting cheaper, like gasoline, other areas are getting more expensive still. And so when you hear that things are less expensive, um, they are still incredibly high compared to where they were a year ago or two years ago. And that, again, is part of the issue is the politics of things. We all get involved. I talk about them every day. And I'm involved politically in them every day. I've got very strong political opinions, and I obviously have no problem giving them. But I never want to lose sight of how it's affecting people. And I I said it earlier today. I keep looking back to my childhood. I keep looking back to when I was a young teenager and what my mom was going through and raising three kids. And I don't know if looking back, it's so hard to say things fell into place for her because it did. It was not easy. It was it was horribly difficult for her, which I didn't realize the difficulty until I got older and tried to take care of myself. But. If anything had fallen through the cracks, if if there was one um, major problem, the entire house of cards would have fallen down around us. And there was a time where that was a reality. And looking back, I didn't have a different childhood than many people. There are many people in that situation right now. It wasn't like I was uniquely positioned. This is this is what American families endure at times. You know, when you are a flat tire away from homelessness and you think, well, how would you mean a flat tire away from homelessness? Well, here's my situation. I own a car and if I get a flat tire, A, I can't pay a tow truck. I don't have enough money for a tow truck. I don't have enough money for a new tire. So if I don't have money for a new tire, my car is on the sidelines until I can get money to replace the tire, which means I can't get to work and I get paid by the hour. And if I can't get to work, I don't get paid. If I don't get paid, I can't pay my rent or feed my kids. 
my mother drove a car for years, and the, four, the, the tires never matched. There was never four matching tires on that car. Anybody out there ever bought used tires? We did. You know, and that's, it's, this is everyday life for a lot of families. I remember learning how to do basic maintenance on a vehicle. Uh, if you remember the thermostat inside, you know, just inside of where the uh, the radiator is. And when that goes out, you overheat your car. It's a very cheap part to replace, but it's expensive if you take it to a mechanic. I learned how to do those things. I learned how to fix brakes. I learned how to do things because there was no other way around it. And if any of those things had had a major failure, if my mother had had a major breakdown of a vehicle, over. It would have been over. And when you see people that – and my mom did the right thing her whole life with us. As far as money went, she did the right thing. She didn't waste money on anything. And if she had had a major loss that she wasn't able to recover from, it would have been the end for us. When you look at where the prices are, eggs are up 40% year over year. Eggs are 47% more expensive now than they were a year ago. Butter, 26%. Packaged bread, 15%. Frozen meals, 23%. Frozen pizza, 18%. Um, This is... When you look at those numbers going up, you know, the frozen meals and the frozen pizza, uh, those are what families are turning to because they don't have the money to feed their kids the healthy food that they were feeding them before. And, and so I'm not trying to be melodramatic about this, but we can call this economy whatever you want. So what we do, or at least what I, in the world I live in here, in this business, we look at the numbers, we look at the, the consumer price index, we look at the inflation numbers, and then we go and look at the president's poll numbers. And we look at how popular or unpopular he is because of that. And it is just kind of the world we live in. We are in the middle of a midterm election. The Republicans are desperately trying to take over the House and the Senate so that they can do what they believe is best for the country and slow down the policies or at least stop and stymie the policies of this president. And that's political. But when you read those numbers about this went up and this went up and this went up, there are people out there that are not paying attention to percentages. But what they are paying attention to is they realize, and this is what the reality is for so many families, we have this much money to spend this week on groceries. This is our budget because it's all we have, not because we're trying to rein things in and put money away and say, no, this is all the money we have for food this week. And then you go to the grocery store and you bought about three days worth of the seven-day week food. And it's people with full-time jobs and it's people that are working very hard and never thought that they would ever need help that are now figuring out that if they're going to feed their children, they're going to need help. So, you know, this is usually where I give the pitch about intentional giving, and, and I, I, st- I always will, that if you're able, if you're in a position even to give a little bit, now's the time. Um, St. Mary's Food Bank. Uh, the reason why I'm saying them, and United Food Bank is amazing as well, and there are a lot of great places. The people, I'm just so familiar with what they do at St. Mary's, and it, and when you donate food, that's a great thing. It is. But if you are able to donate money, it's better because of their buying power when they ha- with the connections they have. They can provide seven meals for a dollar. Seven meals for a dollar. And if you think I don't have much to give, five bucks is, 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 is not going to make a difference. That's – do the math. That's 35 meals. 
And um, so I would say intentional giving is a part of this, but it's also realizing the politics of where we are is a reality because a lot of times if you're not getting things done the way they should be done, you change course. And I, I am an advocate for changing course from where we are right now politically speaking. But I don't want to be so callous in my political arguments that I, that I lose sight or I forget for a minute that we're talking about the reality of not just hard times for families but desperate times for some families. And it starts at the bottom of the economic ladder and it works its way up. And so the reality of what's setting in for many Americans is what this shift is because most Americans are apolitical and they couldn't care less about your political party. In a moment, we're going to talk about the Inflation Reduction Act itself and how it's not doing that. But the addition of 87,000 new uh, IRS workers has really been the headline since this came out. But what is in here? What's in it? And what should you be concerned about? We'll talk about it next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with the show. Uh, uh, here's what's in the, the Inflation Reduction Act. And what it is is it's raising taxes on what they say are the biggest corporations in order to pay for a climate change initiative and some other projects. It is said that's in this bill that um, it would reduce health care costs, although findings from experts say that it's actually going to increase costs for health care. Um, I, I kind of went on a rant about about this earlier, and it still goes down the same road. If there was a way, and I don't think that it's possible, I think that we are always going to have contention between the political parties. All of us have friends of other political parties. One of my best friends growing up, actually one of my first friends when I moved to Florida in the late 70s, is a kid named Seth, and um, we grew up riding the school bus together. We played together almost every single day when we were little kids. We still remain really close friends to this day, although we don't see each other very often. Um, when my brother was killed, he traveled across the state to make sure he came to the memorial service. He was one of the first people to come and see me. Um, so we have got years and years and years of history between us. He is one of the most liberal people that I know. And we laugh about breathing the same air or living in the same neighborhood. How did we end up so different from each other? But when I look at him and I look at our political differences, I see them differently. I can call him wrong without insulting him. We argue, like brothers argue, about politics. He has takes a shot at me with something he sees politically that's a win for his side of the aisle. I do the same thing back to him. Um, so it, it, that's part of the game. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because in the end, this Inflation Reduction Act is either going to do what it says it's going to do or it isn't. And experts are saying, A, it's going to do nothing to solve the problem of inflation. So why is it called the Inflation Reduction Act? And then it's also about health care and climate change. Now you're hearing it's going to cost more money when it comes to health care. So this is where collectively the American people and, and in an ideal world, what you do is you hold your side of the aisle more accountable because you're, you have to defend them. And I, and I try to do that. I'm not very good at it most of the time. There are times when I'm bad at it. The, but the issue is when someone on your side of the aisle makes promises and they don't come, you know, they don't come through on those promises – You've defended them, you know, especially with what I do. You defend them. So I spent so much time defending people doing things that other people don't like. 
And instead of that, what we all ought to be doing is saying we all have different opinions on what the role of government is. But all of us should acknowledge right now that they're not doing a very good job. You know, the state legislature here in Arizona has done a a good job in working with the governor. And although there's dysfunction in any organization, they have kind of worked together. And you look at our taxes are lower. Production is up. People are making a lot more money. There are new jobs coming here. Um, We have to fix our education system. We all would agree on that, that the results for our children and how we get to that solution is the difference of opinion. But we all would recognize, I think, that we are failing to educate our children properly. So why don't we work together to fix that? And when you see the dysfunction in D.C. and you see the rancor and you see everything that goes on there and how it's done, it's infuriating. And and there's got to be a way for us collectively to hold them accountable instead of holding each other accountable. Instead of me quoting something dumb that somebody on your side of the aisle says and then you send me something back and something dumb that somebody on my side of the aisle says, why don't we just collectively say they need to stop saying dumb things? This Inflation Reduction Act is a tax and spend bill that was sold to the American people as a solution to inflation, which has already been defeated, that it's not going to do that. I'm not even talking about that anymore. Chuck Schumer is talking about what it's going to do for uh, climate change. That's what he's bragging about, that it's the biggest climate change bill we've ever had. And I would say to anybody out there, even if you are in favor of these kinds of maneuvers and trying to get into this pathway of where we're going, how can you not say the timing is horrible? We are we, Whether it's rich Americans or poor Americans, you are taking money out of the American economy at a time when we are headed. We are, we are sprinting toward a recession. It's wrong-headed. It just is not the right thing to do. And we, we should be calling out our government and saying as much. This is not the right time to be doing these kinds of things. But they had to do it now. With the prospect in the midterm elections of Republicans taking over either the House or the Senate or all of the above, the president knew he needed to get at least as much of his agenda as he could pushed through in order to get this done. And I don't know how this is going to fare for uh, the Arizona senators who are both Democrats in a state where we haven't had Democrat senators in a long time. Mark Kelly is up for reelection right now, and he is fully behind this act. And I'm trying to get Senator Kelly on. I would just like to hear how he agrees that this is the right thing to do, especially in an election year when a lot of people are not going to agree with that sentiment. And these are the conversations people are having about moving forward is is why are we doing these kinds of things? Why are you hiring 87,000 new IRS agents? And then you're going to tell them that only they're only going to go after wealthy people. First of all, that's not right. Why are wealthy people being demonized, number one? But secondly, you know that that's not going to be the case. Small businesses are going to be scrutinized. People are going to be living in fear, and it's not the way to go. If there's a government agency, I mean this sincerely to my friends out there that are left of me, left of center. Is the IRS an agency that you feel comfortable making twice as big? Do you feel comfortable doing that? And that's what this bill does. And so I, I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I want to see the uh, the, the country be successful. But it, from all experts and the way it looks, it's not going to be that way. Uh, got a comparison we're going to make here in a moment. It, I think it's something that might tell a story. Um, catalytic converter uh, thefts 
have continued to skyrocket in spite of legislation that's out there. I'm going to give you some numbers that will be shocking to you, but then I'm going to make a comparison and see if it resonates with you like it did with for me when all of this happened. We'll do that coming up in just a moment. And strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 923 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, thanks for being here. Now follow me on this. Follow me on this story and see if this if this analogy makes sense to you because I think this is with everything in life. Um, you've got to focus on the right things. And so here's here's a situation. Uh, in Arizona, we have seen since 2019. Um, to, to 2020. So going back a couple of years, there was a 325% increase in catalytic converter theft in Arizona. It went from 3,389 in 2018 to over 14,000 in 2020. Uh, Arizona reported over 2,000 of them in 2021, an increase of 1,340% over 2019. So we are talking about this huge, um, number of these uh, of these things um, happening and they still are Uh, in May Phoenix police found 1200 catalytic converters in a storage unit so this is the part I want to focus on very quickly Governor Ducey signed a law in May that makes it unlawful to purchase or sell catalytic converters in many instances outside garages and auto parts stores and requires anyone who buys a used converter to register the transaction with the Department of Public Safety. People who solicit or advertise unregistered converters can be fined up to $4,000. So I I read that part of the story and I thought if you replace catalytic converter with gun – it's gun control legislation. And if it doesn't work for catalytic converters, it doesn't work for guns. It doesn't work for anything because what they're doing in this situation as well is they are making honest people jump through unnecessary hoops that do nothing to stop the dishonest people from committing the crimes. Um, and I'm not trying to overstate it, but this is exactly what we're, we're we talk about when it comes to gun control legislation is – you're going to say we want background checks, universal background checks, and that's going to be the solution to the problem because of these hand-to-hand gun sales. Well, I can promise you this. Uh, criminals are not seeking out legal gun owners to buy from them and in order to commit their crimes. If they are a prohibited possessor, they are not going to use any system. So you think – and this is the rationale. The rationale is, well, listen – If you have to do a background check every time you buy a gun, even from a hand-to-hand gun sale, unless it's from an immediate family member, and you make that background check universal, then those people won't have any access to buy guns because the only way you can buy them is through a dealer or through a purchase through a private entity. And in that private entity uh, has to get a background check done. Problem solved. Well, no, it isn't. Well, it'll reduce it. What if it saves one life? It's not going to save any lives. Just like in this case, they're trying to make you register, you know, a long time ago, and it happens all the time still, but when copper becomes very, very expensive, as an electrician, we dealt with this all the time. When copper becomes very, very expensive, there's a lot of theft of copper from job sites. There's theft of copper, uh, the copper wiring on the back of your house. You know, everybody has a, uh, two ground rods here in Arizona, one in other places, but um, your, um, your electrical system on your home. 
Your electrical service on your home is grounded by ground rods, and they use a solid piece of usually number eight or number six copper wire between the two ground rods. It has to go uncut, and it goes between the two ground rods, and then it grounds your system. So your system is grounded. Well, that's bare copper that's usually on the outside of your home. Very small amount of money and value, but very expensive to replace if somebody steals it. And you see people stealing copper from everywhere, breaking into buildings. There have been people that have been electrocuted by trying to steal copper because it's expensive. So they started making a bunch of rules that only somebody that is, you know, got a reason like a licensed contract or otherwise could sell uh, copper, used copper to um, recycling places. And what it did was it make it made it something made someone like me. It made it harder for me to recycle the copper wire. You know, when you take copper from a job or whatever, you recycle it sometimes. It made it more difficult. It made it more difficult for the recycling industry. It made it more difficult for everybody, all in the interest of trying to stop dishonest people from being dishonest. Well, in reality, when someone does minimal amount of damage, the charges for the crime are minimal. If you steal, and let's say it's $4 worth of copper, it might be $4 worth of copper that you just stole off the back of a building or a back of a home. But in reality, it costs hundreds of dollars to replace, and it's a pain. Why are we treating those crimes as if they're just petty crimes? They're petty to you because it wasn't your house. Because you're not the one that has an ungrounded system now that you have to have an electrician come out and replace your entire grounding system. You're not the one who goes out and starts up your car and your catalytic converter is gone. If we don't start focusing on the people that are committing the crimes, if we don't start taking a hard look at what we're doing uh, to punish criminals, and again, I'm not a lock them up and throw away the key guy. I'm someone that believes in rehabilitation, but you've got to have harsh punishments. People have got to be held financially accountable. If you steal someone's catalytic converter, you're going to go to jail, but you're also going to pay for that. And I don't care if it takes you five years. If they take 30 bucks a week out of your paycheck until you've paid that back to the person who had to, well, their insurance company covered it. Well, their insurance rates go up as well. You're going to give that person the value of what you stole. If you steal copper off the back of a building, you're not only going to go to jail for that, but you are going to be held accountable. And you'll go to work. You'll go to jail. We'll put you to work, and since you're getting free food and free clothing on the taxpayer's dime, when you work during the day, the paycheck that you earn is going to go to the people that you stole from until you've paid them back. And if we don't start treating crime that way, instead of making honest people jump through hoops that dishonest people will never jump through because they're still stealing them at record rates. And I it just I, when I read that, I thought this is gun control laws. This is exactly what gun control laws are. We're going to make honest people jump through hoops that dishonest people will never do. And you're still seeing the theft. It, it just was a shining example to me. Just a shining example. Coming up just after 11 o'clock, the FBI raid, search, whatever you want to call it in Mar-a-Lago. We're going to talk more about the fallout from that and what the next step will be. Is this going to be good or bad for the present former president of the United States? Next.